All right. Well, welcome everybody again to our Life Church Sunday morning service. Wasn't that just a great time of worship together? Amen. That is something to clap for. That is something to cheer for. Now, for the, all these who are at home right now, just so you know, what you just, just missed is that we actually watched the same worship that you just watched at home, and we worshiped with you. And so there was this, this synergy. We're all worshiping separate but together. And it's a powerful time. I, I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Uh, and man, it was so great to have everybody here today, just worshiping together in the presence of God. Did you sense his presence today, church? Do you know that he's with us right now? This morning, I have the pleasure of being able to bring the word to you, and we're going to be continuing our sermon series from the book of First Peter. I love the title that Pastor Mike has come up with for this series. It is Great Expectations. Come on, didn't that just like bring some joy to your spirit? Great expectations. And this morning what this is going to look like is we're going to continue on um, in the passage that we started from last week in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, to begin with, we're going to read uh, kind of our theme verse for the entire series. Then we're going to read our text today. And our text today is going to be 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me, we're going to dive right into this without any further ado. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses um, 3 through four, and my title today is Inexpressible Joy. Inexpressible Joy. Here we go. Theme verse. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Continuing on, 1 Peter 1, 5 through 9, the text today. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Amen, church. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you that your word this morning is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. Father, we pray that your word would go deep today in our hearts, God. Let it bring change in each one. I pray that not one person in this place or in their homes this morning would leave the same, but God, that we would all be changed by your word, Lord God. We open ourselves to you today, Lord God. We say, come and have your way and do whatever you want to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Now, I feel like for all you who are with us this morning that we need a little bit of practice because it's been a while since we've been together. So I just want to remind you this morning that church is not, uh, it, it is not a spectator sport, but it is something that we get to all take part in. And the way that you can take part this morning is with your words. You can talk to me while I'm preaching. That's okay. It's all right. I don't know if you're, if you're at home. Maybe you're like when we were at home, we're eating our cinnamon buns and drinking our coffee. There'd be times I'd be like, amen. Right. I'd be like, right, hon. I'd be like, amen. You know, you just say it back to the screen. Now, when you say amen, that sounds kind of Christianese, but just to clarify, the word amen means so be it. And your words have power. You can speak things into existence. So when you hear a word, when you hear the word of God spoken and it speaks to your heart, when you speak the word, amen, you're saying you're, you're giving notice to your soul that it needs to come into alignment with the word of God. Amen. All right. So this morning, let's just practice it. Everybody say amen. amen. Oh, you guys are good. This is good. All right, here we go. So this idea this morning is the idea of great expectations leading to inexpressible joy. And what would it look like to live with great expectations? I mean, this morning when we were driving into the service, my kids were reminiscing about a a moment where they had great expectations. And it was about two years ago when we had the pleasure, and we never thought this was going to happen, but it did happen, to, uh, to, to bring them to Disneyland. And they were reminding, remembering this morning about how we had told them about the trip. You know, we did this kind of scavenger hunt. And I think the first one they found, like, um, a pair of shorts. And we're like, we're going somewhere hot. You know, they knew we were going on a trip. They didn't know where. And then the next one was, like, some sunscreen. You're going to need sunscreen where we're going. And then the next one was, like, a, a, a model plane. We're going to fly there. And then the last one they got was a bunch of um, Mickey Mouse ears. And so, and they said, oh, this is amazing. And we're like, and we're going in November. And it was like September. And they're like, oh, you know, for kids, like a month feels like forever, right? But they lived with great expectations. But how many know that it's tough to live that way every day? That life has a way of taking the wind out of our sails. That uh, it's, 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 it's very, very hard. In fact, there's, there's a push against us, you could almost say, to live that way, to live a life that has great expectations. And in this passage, Peter is writing uh, to a group of churches who are in dispersion. And Pastor Mike shared with us last week that they were in persecution. They were experiencing very real suffering. And Peter is writing to them to encourage them that there is joy to come and that they could live even in the midst of that with great expectations. And the question is this morning, how is that possible? I mean, is it just we need to you know, bury our heads in the sand and just not pay attention to the things that are going on around us? Because here's one thing I know. I know that every person here today has their stuff. And regardless of what you might spot on social media posts, But regardless of what you might see of people around you, I think there's often a temptation to think, oh, they've got it all figured out, and I just just don't. I know that the reality is that all of us have something that we're struggling with. Whether that be sickness or financial situations, marriage problems, addictions, depression, mental illness, loneliness, apathy, we've all got our stuff. (laughs) And Peter's writing to a people who have their stuff. They're wrestling with persecution. They're wrestling uh, and suffering. And he's telling them that even in the midst of that, that they can live with great expectations. How can we do that? Here's my big idea today, church. We can endure suffering in tough times when we are convinced of joy. 
We can endure suffering and hard times when we are convinced of joy. And there's three ways that Peter encourages the church to do this. And we're going to highlight those this morning. I'm going to unpack those a little bit, just three points, and then we're going to pray for you today and give a time for response. Okay, you guys with me? All right, so there's three ways. The first thing that Peter highlights is the assurance of your salvation. We can have reasons for joy in the midst of and because of suffering. Why? Because, number one, the assurance of your salvation. Now, when we talk about salvation, what are we talking about? We're talking about this idea of deliverance, preservation, or safety. It's the very thing that we need a Savior for, to be saved, to receive salvation. And in this passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And if you read that closely, it can kind of feel a little bit confusing because it says we're going to receive this salvation. I mean, aren't we already saved? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've invited him to come into your life, if you're living for him, according to the scriptures, you are saved. So what does this mean? You know, that that we're going to receive the salvation yet to come. Well, there's this this theological idea. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, that uh, uh, this idea of the process of salvation, this idea that you were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. So 1 Peter is kind of this idea of you will be saved. And then we've got Ephesians 2 verse 8 that says, We were saved by grace. You have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 it says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So we are saved. You were saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. But how does that bring us joy? is the question. And the answer to that is how we're being saved. See, here's what Peter says. He says, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. So there's two parts always to this. There's always um, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. There's a part that God is doing and there's a part that we are responsible for. And what is the part that we're responsible for? Our part is to believe. Through your faith. Our part is to believe what God says. It's to believe his words. It's come to come into alignment with his word. It's to agree with his word. My favorite definition of faith is agreeing with the word of God. Agreeing with his word. So when God says something to you, you agree with it. You agree with it. I mean, a great example of this is Noah. You remember Noah's ark? And God comes to Noah and says, I want you to come and I want you to build an ark. And Noah could have said, I have no idea what that is. But he said, okay, God, I agree with you. And he stepped out in faith. He agreed with God. And by his faith, his family was saved. He agreed with God. So that's our part. Now, what's God's part? He does everything else. See, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. See, our joy is in the fact that we serve a God who is bringing us through. We serve a God who is going to save and, uh, and heal us and save us and bring us back into right relationship with the Father. We serve a God who is working in us even now. Our part is to believe. And in that, there is joy. 
Come on, do you know that today? Do you know that God is working in you? The fact that you're here today is a sign of his grace working in your heart. God has called you. He has chosen you as an individual. He has said, listen, I'm setting you apart, and I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. We heard about that last week. God is working in you, and he is going to save you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's number one is the assurance of your salvation. The next thing that Peter highlights is, number two, the value of your faith. The value of your faith. And here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine, that it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Okay, here's the second thing, you guys. Your faith is valuable. Now, let me just unpack this idea for you a moment, okay? Think about this. The value of anything is determined by how costly it is to produce. I'm going to repeat that again. The value of anything is determined by how costly it is to produce. Let me say it another way. Anything in life that has value is hard. It's hard. I mean, come on. I mean, we were talking, I was talking to the youth boys the other day. We were talking about this idea of this race that we run with endurance. And we were talking about, like, why do we have to run with endurance? And they're like, yeah, why do we have to run with endurance? Why doesn't God just do this all for us? And I said, well, think about your story. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Josiah. He grew up and died. The end. There's no richness there. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no joy there's no expression of it because he hasn't been tested. The value of anything is determined by how costly it is produced. Let me give you some examples of this. Um, a doctorate degree. How many know that we would be in big trouble if we walked around and just started handing out uh, the doctor title to anybody on the street? Right? Like, we don't do that. That would be weird, and it would be scary, quite frankly. Because the value of the title doctor is determined by the time that was put in and the weight of the titles in the investment into the education that it takes to become a doctor. See, it was hard. They had to go through a process. They had to submit themselves to a process, and they had to go through this process so that they would be prepared to take on the title of doctor. There's value in the title because of the, uh, the, the, the process, because it was costly to obtain. Winning the Stanley Cup is a great example of this. Come on, there was years of practice. There was you know, years of parents driving kids to their, their peewee hockey games and, and, and showing up late and then, and then you know, going and living abroad to go and play in different places and then years and years of sacrifice and practicing every single day to, to culminate with lifting the Stanley Cup. You don't just show up and lift up the Stanley Cup. You've got to go through some stuff. You've got to experience some things. You've got to face some resistance. You've got to suffer a little bit. You've got to sacrifice a little bit to get to that Stanley Cup. Raising kids is hard. <laughs> it's so worth it, but it's hard. Building a business is hard, but it's worth it. Another example of this uh, um, I, I came up with was um, items that we own. You know, there's value to it. Remember we said this, the value of something is determined by how costly it is to produce. Do you hear that? Or, or, or it, it has worth because it is hard to obtain. Um, the, another thing, um, the, there's a, a car called a Rolls-Royce. Anybody heard of a Rolls-Royce before? Okay, so I watched this documentary. I don't know, I was bored one night. And, I, and there was this documentary on, Tani was probably sleeping beside me because what inevitably happens is we sit down to watch a show together. She picks a chick flick. 
We turn it on, five minutes in, she's out. I'm switching over to a documentary. That's just what happens. I'm just being real with you. So I, I switched over to this documentary, and it was on Rolls Royces. I'm like, yeah, this seems interesting. So I turn it on. These cars are amazing. Do you know that a Rolls Royce starts, the new Rolls Royce starts at the price of $408,000? Right? Now, why is it so valuable? Why do they put such a price tag on this vehicle? Let me tell you why. I'm going to give you a few little thoughts on that. Um, Do you know that each Rolls Royce passes through nearly 60 pairs of highly skilled hands before it reaches its owner? Nearly every aspect of the car can be customized from the ceiling lining to the leather to the panel inlays right down to the stitching. There is detail. There is work. There is cost of time and energy and expertise. The hand-stitched leatherwork takes over two weeks to complete with nine hides required for each interior. The hides are pre-shrunk and drum-dyed for even color distribution, a softer feel, and longer life. Get this. Each set of wood veneers comes from a single tree, creating a simple, seamless flow of flawless wood from dashboard to rear compartment. Patterns in the grain can be carefully matched to make the dashboard as symmetric as possible. Choices range, for, range from classic burrs like walnut or elm to straight-grained uh, Malabar teak or dark wenge. So here's the deal. Why are they so valuable? Why are they so costly? Because it costs a lot to make them. <laughs> here's what Peter is saying to the church. If you are suffering because of your faith, how valuable is that faith? How valuable how much worth is that church can we remember that can i just tell you right now if you are facing trials right now i want to remind you that the most valuable thing that you have is your faith that you agree with God, that you come in alignment with his word, that you choose to believe what he says, that you choose to walk into alignment with that, that you choose to step into that today. And I want to encourage you, church, if you're facing a trial or a hard time, uh, one of the things that happens in these trials and hard times is that you are, are, are geared, you are, are, are bent towards wandering away from the Lord. And if you are here today, God is calling you back into alignment with his calling in his word. God is calling you back into alignment with his word. And today is the day of salvation. And now is the appointed time. And you too can come back into right relationship with God. I don't know, maybe you found yourself drifting in this season. We've all been through a trial over the past few years. We've all uh, experienced suffering through loneliness and, and isolation. And some of us through sickness, financial burdens. But the most valuable thing is your faith. It's been tested and you're here. Yes. Come on. Those things in life that are the most valuable are often the most costly. And that which is of most value is your faith. Is your faith. Amen. So we have the uh, assurance of salvation. We have the value of your faith. And finally, as we close here today, we have the reward of trust. Reasons for joy. I mean, isn't it amazing? Peter says, be glad in the midst of suffering. He says, live with joy, with great expectations in the midst of suffering. How can he say that? 
because we're saved, because our faith is valuable, and finally, because there's a reward of trust. Here's what he says, 1 Peter 1, 6, and then 8 and 9. So be glad, this wonderful joy ahead, even though you, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a while. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Come on. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. What does this look like? There's a, there's a uh, story in the Bible about this concept. Um, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 29, verse 20, it talks about uh, Jacob. And Jacob had gone to be with his uncle Laban. And Laban had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel and asked for her hand in marriage. And Laban had said, I'll give you, Rachel, if you will work for me for seven years. You need to give up seven years of your life, and then I'll give you Rachel. And this is what it says about Jacob during that time. Did he whine? Did he complain? Did he have a bad attitude? Did he, you know, fight that and, you know, ah, this is so hard. No, it says this. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. You see, he could thrive in the waiting. He could thrive in the waiting. Why? Because he knew the end result was there. When you can see where you're going, you can endure. When you can see the vision that God has for you, you can endure. Why is it important that we come to church on Sundays? Why is it important that we continue to gather? Because we need to be reminded of the reality that our God is great and that he has a plan, and that he's working, and that he's working even today. And he can work in you right now, and he can bring change for you right now, where you are, at home or here in live, in person at Life Center. We need to be reminded of it. That's why we sing these songs, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to align ourselves with his word. And that's what, and, and so here's Jacob, and he's got this, this vision ahead of him of this beautiful woman that he's going to marry, and it felt like a day to him. Because of his love. Why? Because of his love. Because he was entangled. He was, he was enraptured with this vision. Come on, we can endure with joy when we are enraptured by the vision of what God has for us. We can endure. Come on. There's, um, there's a story about this. In, uh, um, a man by the name of Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And you might say, well, who's Viktor Frankl? My wife actually did last night. Matt, who's Viktor Frankl? I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> He was an Austrian neurologist, psychologist, and philosopher, and author, and also a Holocaust survivor. Um, Viktor Frankl actually went through some of the, the toughest um, concentration camps during World War II, including Auschwitz. And while he was there, he observed uh, people around him and remembered these things. And as soon as he got out in 1946, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which highlights some of his findings from the concentration camps. And as he observed people, he watched as people would go through these horrendous, horrendous experiences. And the difference between the people that um, were able to survive, now obviously some of it, they didn't have a choice, but, but for those that did, the ones that survived versus the ones that did not, the ones that did not survive were the people that became apathetic and gave up hope. But the people who survived were the ones who found meaning. Now, for Victor, meaning was um, that he would see his wife again someday and that he would be able to finish his work that had been stolen from him when he was taken uh, captive. And, and so th this meaning was what held him together. And here's his quote. This is what he says. 
Those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. Those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. Church, we have the greatest why on the planet. Come on, that there is a God, that he is working in us, that he is going to save us. We have an assurance of salvation. And we know that our God is working in us. We have the greatest why. And if you have a why, you can bear almost any how. I mean, even Jesus had a why. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on, there was a joy that was set before Jesus that allowed him to endure the cross. And church, there is a joy. There is a joy that is set before us. The Bible says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. There is a joy that can carry you through. Are you aware of your reward? Today, are you aware of it? When was the last time you allowed yourself to be encountered by God? When was the last time you opened up your heart to Him? Because here's what God does. is along the way and through the journey... He gives us little deposits of his presence. Little foretastes of what we are yet to experience. In fact, church, we can experience heaven on earth. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am also in their midst. And I believe that God is here today. I believe that his presence is in this place. And I believe that he's waiting for an open vessel. When was the last time that you pursued his presence. Life Church, let's be a church that pursues the presence of God. Let's not go after just religious philosophies and ideas. Let's go after him. Come on, because God is here. And he can work in your heart even now. Even now he can work in your heart. And just like the churches that Peter was writing to, there's people here today who are suffering. You've been, uh, you've been going through some dark times, some trials. Some of us are struggling financially. Some of us are struggling uh, with our relationships. Some of us are struggling with our health. Everybody's got their thing. But there is a hope of joy. Why? Because God is saving you by his power. Because your faith is growing in richness and strength as it is tested. And because there is a great reward to come so that you can have joy today. Amen.